0: Welcome to Living Water Radio. The movie Oppenheimer asks, do we have a future? The Christian faith asks, do we have a present? Today, we're going to find out why. My name is Pastor David Burkettel. My wife, Rev. Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, Number Zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Sally and I saw the movie Oppenheimer this past week. We saw the movie Barbie the week before, so Barbenheimer, or Oppie if you prefer. If you haven't seen either of them yet and you want to, I'd recommend seeing them in that same order. Because you may want to be thinking about whether we have a future before you are thinking about the best one. Barbie is politics. Oppenheimer is art. Oppenheimer is an intense description of the events that led to the production of an atom bomb and the subsequent weapons of mass destruction that gave human beings the ability to quickly destroy our world and everything in it. It is told without a lot of optimism for the future, but in a way that leads you to appreciate, if regretfully so, the ability of one person to change the world. Barbie believes she is changing her life for the better. Oppenheimer believes that he has changed the world for the worse. Barbie may lead you to reflect on what our best future is. Oppenheimer may lead you to reflect on whether or not we have a future. Do you think we have a future? Henry Kissinger was once asked about the weapons that would be used in World War III. He said that he didn't know what weapons would be used in World War III, but he did know what weapons would be used in World War IV. Rocks. But at least he believed that there would be people around to throw those rocks. What does the Christian faith have to say in the face of the possibility of the destruction of the world? When I was in seminary, I took a class on future studies. At the end of that class, I thought that with overpopulation and diminishing resources, there was no way that I would live past my early 50s. Yet, Here I am at 75. Today, with all the concerns about extreme weather and climate change, the most haunting reflection that I've heard is that human beings may not survive, but the planet will be fine. We may destroy ourselves, but the Earth will eventually recover, even after all-out atomic and hydrogen bombs and who knows what else are detonated. Which they may. While God set the rainbow in the sky as a sign that He would never again destroy the world in a flood, We see in the Bible's book of 2 Peter, in 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Could that happen? Would a remnant of the human race be saved, as in Noah and the flood? Would God step in and begin the last judgment at the last desperate moment before it starts? It's not something that we haven't pondered. In fact, it's central to our worldview, though in distinctly more optimistic and purpose-filled terms. Every Sunday, the vast majority of churches throughout the world confess together their common core beliefs in what we call creeds, from the Latin word credo, I believe. The two primary creeds are the Apostles and the Nicene, and they include these words about the end. In the Nicene, He, Jesus, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And the apostles, He, Jesus, will come again to judge the living and the dead. A colleague once said that one of his seminary professors summarized the Bible's book about the end, Revelation, with two words, God wins. We have no need to fear the future but we are called, equipped, and sent to do God's will in the present. Possibly apocryphal, about 16th century church reformer Martin Luther digging a hole for an apple tree in his backyard. A member of his congregation stopped by to talk about the signs of the end times. He asked Luther what he would do if he knew that the world would end tomorrow. Luther answered, I'd plant my apple tree. But what about now? The last judgment may be today or it may be a gazillion years from now. What has God given us for the meantime? I believe that God has given us himself. In Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, Jesus gives instructions for how to handle conflict in the church. Yes, it happens. (laughs) Jesus witnessed it among his closest disciples. He ends this section by saying that whatever we decide will be bound in heaven and whatever two of his disciples agree on on earth will be done in heaven. Why? Do we have divine superpowers? No, we are the body of Christ. Whatever we decide or do, it is done in accord with God's will because who we are is a product of the living relationship given to us in Jesus Christ, fully God and fully human being. To act in Jesus' name means to act in His living presence. This passage ends with Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. I believe, and it is my experience, that that presence is most clearly, purely, and regularly felt in Holy Communion. It is Holy Communion that is God's answer to the despair of our times. It is God's presence with us in a promise that will never be broken. Some Christians see the forms of bread and wine as symbols of Jesus' body and blood. They are part of a ritual, memorial meal. I saw a meme the other day advertising communion wafers now in pumpkin spice. It was a fictional product, a joke. It's funny, partly because I'm sure there are some people who would prefer something to spice up what to them is just an add-on, a time-consumer, an all-too-familiar and boring ritual, not real presence. Most Christians now and throughout history have spoken of the bread and wine of Holy Communion in some terms of the real presence of Jesus in the forms of bread and wine. Some say that these forms of bread and wine change into the body and blood of Jesus. Lutherans say that Jesus is present in, with, and under the forms of bread and wine, and though the forms themselves don't change, that he is truly present in these forms. In Holy Communion, we encounter the living, transformational, real presence of God. The Lutheran churches of our denomination and our region send voting members annually for our synod assembly. I have been in disagreement with decisions of that assembly many times, but the assemblies end with a worship service of Holy Communion. I can't tell you how many times, well, every time, I've had heated arguments with pastors and laypeople from the other churches during the business sessions, but as I return to my seat from Holy Communion, I just see brothers and sisters whom I love. We believe that what happens in Holy Communion is Holy Communion. We commune with the one true holy God in a sacrament begun and commanded by Jesus. In this sacrament, as 16th century church reformer Martin Luther writes in a small catechism, we receive forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. If eating bread and drinking wine did that by itself, we'd have a lot of restored and saved people in this world. But it is not just eating and drinking. Luther says, it is not eating and drinking that does this, but the words given and shed for you for the remission of sins. He puts those words in bold. These words, he says, along with eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. And whoever believes these words has exactly what they say forgiveness of sins. I don't think that we can be reconciled with one another at worship, the passing of the peace, receive holy communion with God, know that our great sins have been forgiven, and see fellow believers as anything other than people whom we love. When we eat the bread in whatever form and drink the wine or grape juice, we receive something incredible, We receive forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. What does Jesus say he came to bring in John 10.10? The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life, abundant life, eternal life. That is God's answer to despair about the future. In fact, despair is what Luther said was the worst sin, because despair says that nothing can be done, and there was always, and sometimes only, hope in God. Most congregations have gone to receiving Holy Communion with greater frequency over the past decades. Some have said that every Sunday Communion is the Church's best defense against a bad sermon. But the need to receive the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation has to be up there too. We long for the end of history and the final judgment as people saved by grace through faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, we experience God's everything in Holy Communion. It is also something that we talk about regularly, sometimes every Sunday. Its origin is in the shadow of death on the night he was betrayed, and we are not afraid. In fact, we celebrate it. When our son was in grade school, he came home one day with a flyer announcing to parents that his school would be holding an active shooter drill in the coming week. We thought about what a terrible time this is when children have to be afraid of someone coming onto their school property with a gun and malintent. Then we thought about the times when we were that age. We had nuclear war drills. We were told to stay away from the windows to avoid broken glass, to not look at the direction of the explosion as if that would help so that our retinas wouldn't be burned away by the light from the explosion. We were taught to go down to the school basement where there were no windows but where there was food and water stored. It was there in case our parents couldn't come to get us for a few days, or worse, or until it ran out. The room where it was stored had a civil defense symbol on it. We walked by it regularly. The Christian faith is fed by another kind of food and drink. It is the real presence of Jesus, God for us, with whom we commune in the forms of bread and wine in the sacrament of Holy Communion. An op-ed piece in last Sunday's, September 3, 2023, Los Angeles Times said that the director of Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan, believes J. Robert Oppenheimer is the most important person who ever lived. By unleashing nuclear power, the film director concludes, he gave us the power to destroy ourselves. I would suggest someone else. My candidate for that distinction would be Jesus Christ. Not just because he was the creator, not one thing came into being without him, but because he brought about the redemption of all people after the perfect harmony God created fell apart through human rebellion against God. He brings forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation in himself, in his real presence. One person can make a difference, as Paul writes in Romans 5, verses 18 to 21. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One would like to think of a movie like Oppenheimer as a warning and a call to action, but our track record for acting for the benefit of all people to ensure our self-preservation is not particularly encouraging. Our hope is in someone more reliable and trustworthy, in the living presence of the one true living God and the relationship with God for which we were created, for which we were redeemed on the cross. As for the end, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. To paraphrase a quoted line from the movie, Jesus is become life, the Savior of the world. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at davidberkadall and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.